The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Welcome back into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined by my co-host, Aaron Murray. It is week nine, and Aaron, we have a huge show, and for good reason. Georgia is traveling to Jacksonville. The dogs are undefeated. They are ranked number three in the nation, and it's Georgia-Florida week. We have a fantastic interview about midway through the show, joined by Georgia Bulldog great, three-time All-American, now a staple on ESPN, College Game Day, College Football Live. That, of course, is David Pollock. David joins us to talk about a lot, especially about his gig at ESPN and, of course, the Georgia-Florida game this weekend. We know all of our fans and listeners are going to want to get involved and have a lot of comments about our fun interview with David. So you can do that. Get at us on social media. We are at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram, puntandpass at gmail.com. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11. I am at Drew Butler 13. And Aaron, usually I would say, What's been going on? How are you doing? I would have you asking me the same questions, but quite frankly, I don't think people care right now. They're probably in their cars getting juiced up, headed down to St. Simons, headed down to the landing in Jacksonville. It's rivalry week. Let's talk Georgia, Florida. What's up, dude? I know you know people love to hear what you had to say because you beat the Gators three times and you're from Tampa, Florida. This rivalry means a lot to you. This is going to be a fun, fun weekend. Yeah, like you said, this means a lot to me. Being from Tampa, everyone pretty much thought I was it was a shoe win. Aaron's going to be a Gator. He's going there. He's going to follow up Tim Tebow. Uh, and obviously I made a little switcheroo went to the university of Georgia and, and things worked out great. And, and I remember the one funny thing is my favorite restaurant in Tampa, Florida, stop serving me my favorite chicken Parmesan. Oh, hey, stop. You walk in and the place is covered with Florida gear all up and down the walls. And they thought it was a shoe in. And as soon as I committed, I was not very like, welcome to that restaurant. Serve you anymore. They, they were not happy. No, I just oh. stayed away. They gave me a couple comments. The first time I went in there after my commitment, and I just decided that it was Probably better if we just separated. Yeah, we just part ways and move on. Well, you so, said it earlier. If Dan Mull, it's all Dan Mullen's fault. If he was still the coach there, you would have went there. Blame maybe, Dan maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. We'll see. All I'm right. still very happy with my decision. Yeah, dude. Obviously, and you having been one of the most successful quarterbacks in recent history against the Gators, people hold that in high regard. And I think Kirby Smart, Jake Fromm, and this Georgia football team have a great opportunity in front of them. Florida players have been talking a bunch of smack this week because really, that's all they can do. They know they don't match up on the field. And listen, I sound like a Georgia homer. Uh, obviously, I played there. I sound like I'd pick Georgia every single week. But guess what? Georgia's a 14-point favorite. Georgia is 7-0. and Florida's 3-3. and They've won two games that they should have lost. Of course, the Tennessee Hail Mary, which shouldn't have happened, and Kentucky hand-wrapped, gifting them a victory by not covering wide receivers and making just bonehead plays in situational football. Florida's no good. Of course the players are going to talk smack. And for good reason, okay? Georgia does not have a lot of success in this series, but I think it changes this year simply because this matchup tilts so heavily in favor for the Bulldogs. Yeah, I agree. This is no contest. When you want to look at a paper from position to position, there's not one position on the football field, I believe, that Georgia is not better than Florida. And, and we might have talked at the beginning of the season the strength of Florida's offense would have been the offensive line. The weakness of Georgia's entire team would have been the offensive line. I think that's been switched this entire season. Georgia's offensive line has now become one of the strengths of that entire team. And Florida, you, you really can't say one position on that team is playing well at the moment. Maybe the defense is kind of holding them together at times, but those guys are going to get frustrated. The, the more times they're on the football field uh, because their offense isn't able to convert third downs and continue moving up and down the field. Um, Georgia's just a better team, man. I, I, the one thing is both teams have, have had a bye week. Yeah. Florida's had an opportunity to have two weeks to kind of self-evaluate, look at themselves. What am I doing? What are we doing wrong as a team? 
get Felipe Franks, their young quarterback, some extra reps, uh, and also continue to game plan versus Georgia. So I think 14 points is, is a big spread. Uh, you and I both know crazy things happen in, in these type of football games and these type of, type of atmospheres. So I think it, it may be a little bit closer. I think it's going to be a close first half, but I think Georgia's run game, Georgia's defense is going to end up kind of putting the putting their foot down come end of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter. Certainly, and we have a few talking points that you and I are going to kind of hash out here before we get into our awesome interview with David Pollock and David was fantastic I know David's caught a lot of heat in the past for picking against Georgia you being uh, you're in your first season as a college football analyst a national college football analyst have caught some flag for picking against Georgia simply when you didn't think they were good enough to win the game and you have to be objective and David talks about that and I think David gets a bad rap at times and I give him a hard time but he's been covering Georgia for the past few seasons and Georgia frankly has not been that good the past few seasons. Georgia's good now. You and I can confidently and objectively pick them to win games. They win them. We look good. That's when it's fun. But unfortunately, it hasn't been that way in the past. So a few talking points going back to Jacksonville. You said it. A lot of crazy things happen down there. Sometimes the kicking game isn't as good as it should be. Sometimes things that have worked weeks prior don't go as seamlessly in Jacksonville, and these Florida players start out, and I forget the no-name DB who said Jake Fromm can only throw slant passes. Yeah, anybody can throw a quick slant. And then I was listening on the Atlanta radio today, and Joe Hamilton, the former Georgia Tech great quarterback, sits there and says, well, you know, he's got a point because they're just going to stack the box and make Jake Fromm throw him. But my question to Aaron to you is this. Who hasn't done that to Georgia in the past seven games? I mean, that's what you have to do. It's not like you're going to sit back and dare them to run the ball. You are going to stack the box and make Jake Fromm beat you. But quite frankly, the offensive line has been so improved, they're able to run the ball, and then the pass game opens up. Yeah, I completely agree. Everyone, That's the formula that everyone thinks. Let's stack the box. Let's bring either two safeties down in what we call a tight cover four look where those safeties are hovering about eight to ten yards from the line of scrimmage heavy downhill and run support, or let's bring an eighth guy in the box. Let's bring a safety down, play single high. We'll play man to man on the outside and make Jake from be accurate throwing the football. And of course, I think that's what Florida's going to do. And I think for Georgia, this is probably to, to date right now. Mississippi state was a good defense. Notre Dame, pretty good defense. Florida will be the most talented defense they face. For sure. For and, you want, a, and when you, a talent yeah, from yeah. a, ta- from a talent standpoint, I think when you want to look at the DBs, the corners, the safeties, probably the most talented group will face all year. So, so Jake is going to have to be accurate. Balls are going to be tight. Windows are going to be tight. The pressure is going to be on. So really this is, this is going to be his toughest task. It's a, it's a tough environment to play in. The juices are going to be flowing. I mean, I remember my first Florida Georgia game. You get in there, you look up, it's split. I mean, everyone talks about it, but until you get up there and see it, it's right down the middle, 50, 50 red and black, that ugly orange and blue on the other side. It's it's a unique place to play. It's a tough place to play. And like I said, the talent on that defensive side of the football for Florida, it's there. You know, they might not be having a great year, but the talent is still there. They still recruit good guys, especially on the defensive side of the football. So he is going to have to be accurate. And for the run game, it's just going to have to be a continuous yeah. pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock. And then I think the big runs will start to happen later on. Yeah, so if we do pound the rock, if Georgia does pound the rock, pound the rock, and, and Florida stacks the box, I mean, you're just expecting those four- and five-star athletes to play man coverage against the receivers, right? I mean, that's what a quarterback knows is going to happen. You alluded to Florida having a bye week last week. Well, so did Georgia. And Jim Cheney's offensive play calling has been as vastly improved, probably with the improvement of the offensive line, it allows him to open up the playbook. Jake Fromm's gotten a lot more comfortable being the starting quarterback. I think they've probably got a few things drawn up as well, Aaron. Wouldn't you think that uh, certainly they're going to be able to um, respond to what Florida has in store for him? Yeah, and, and let's flip the switch a little bit and talk about Florida. I think yeah. them what, they're, they're also going through a similar situation where they have a young quarterback. Felipe Franks has been – pretty much hot and cold. He'll, he'll look at, you'll look out there. He's, he's everything you want. He's six, five, six, six, big kid, big arm. He goes out there and throws some pretty passes. He'll throw in the tight windows. And all of a sudden he'll throw in the triple quadruple coverage. And you're like, man, what are you looking at out there? I know you're six, five. You can see over the offensive lineman. You should be able to see those DBs down the field, but luckily for him, a couple of his receivers are going to be back. Cleveland, one of his top guys, very talented receiver, especially with the ball in his hands. will be back this week. Malik Davis at running back. They've been able to run the ball a little bit better each and every week. 
So maybe they've kind of also gotten a game plan ready for these next two for this game over the past two weeks. Like I said, they've had time also to game plan and get ready to rock and roll. And, and that's the only thing why I, I don't think it's going to be a four, 14 point game. I think it's going to be a little closer. It may be a seven. It may be a 10 um, because I, I, I still think they do have talent on the offensive side of the ball and the defense side of the ball. So how do they, how do they expose Georgia's defense with the inconsistencies that's that Florida's offense has had through six games and the dominance that Georgia's defense has played with? Because in years past, Florida has been able to run all over Georgia and Trenton Thompson, the defensive tackle should be coming back. The linebackers have just been stuffing it at the second level, not allowing those big runs to break loose. I don't think they're able to establish that type of consistent run game this weekend. And I do not think Felipe Franks is the quarterback who can make plays against the secondary. And I think that's when the game gets out of hand, when Georgia stifles the run, puts the game into Felipe Franks's hands. And then you let, Devin, Davin Bellamy and Lorenzo Carter just absolutely tee off on the quarterback, force turnovers, and then I'm telling you right now, Georgia's going to smoke Florida. I think a 40-burger is in play. The Ooh, line man. is not enough. Georgia covers with ease. I've been saying this for weeks. I'm putting my foot down. I'll eat crow if I have to, but guess what? Mm. I won't have to because that's what's going to happen. Georgia's defense is going to shut down Florida's offense, and then you set it. Second half, the run game for the Bulldogs just wears them down, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, the only way Florida wins this game, they're going to have to one win special teams. Yeah, uh, we we talk little about off. We always talk about offense, defense, but special teams very important. These type Let's of talk games. Talk about that for a minute. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you want to leave it to you. You're the special no, 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 teams yeah. expert. I'm just saying, in general, I think that there is, that's a big part of this game. Special teams, the punt game, the kickoff return game, the kickoff game. Florida has talent on that side of the football, and then also turnovers can georgia manage win the turnover battle i think those two areas of the game especially early on because i think it's going to be tough to score early on both defenses are going to be playing extremely fast extremely well special teams where you're going to be starting possessions and also who doesn't turn the ball over early to get momentum to the other team is going to be critical one of an article i read this past week was talking about how much of a factor rodrigo blankenship has been not only with his field goal efficiency but how he's been kicking the ball off i think he already has 37 touchbacks this season. Now, I know Georgia's been scoring a lot, but 37 touchbacks through seven games is pretty fantastic. He's on pace to break a school record held by some guy named Kevin Butler. Oh, that guy. (laughs) I think you know him. Yeah, but when you force an offense to go 75 yards to score a touchdown virtually every single time they get the football that is a weapon the punt team vastly improved I think they're sixth in the nation in net punting I mean that's the stuff the hidden yardage the field position game where if you can rely heavily on that the defense just pounces so if Georgia is able to limit those returns because that's where Florida can expose you with their athletes if they are able to limit those returns and win the field position battle look for special teams just to keep doing what they've do what they've done through these first seven games and that's do their part win that third of the game and then you leave offense or defense to win their third two two out of three you, you have a much better chance to win yeah you went you went two out of three and like you said our the, the georgia special teams this year has just been phenomenal the punting the kicking game uh, it you win that you're gonna win the defensive side of the football and then the offense will come later on so Listen, it's a, it's it, we're, I'm trying to convince myself that's going to be a closer game. I, you're really doing a great job. I I feel like no one you want to see a blowout as as a as a Georgia grad, as a Georgia former Georgia player. It definitely is more interesting when when it's a nitty gritty game where it comes down to the fourth quarter. Both fan bases are going crazy. Uh, I think that makes for more exciting football. It's more fun. I think it's. I think you're going the more comfortable route. You just want to blow out and, and third sure. quarter. Everyone's leaving the stadium and going to, sure. back to St. Simons. I enjoyed the games that we had a couple games that went down to the very last second, the Malcolm Mitchell touchdown uh, to end the game one year. I mean, those games when it's to the end and when you score that last touchdown and the fans are just going absolutely nuts and you look at the other side of the other side of the stands and the other side of the stands is just completely silent. I mean, that's a great, great feeling, especially late in the fourth quarter. So I hope Georgia has some some magic left. I hope Jake Fromm continues to have a, a phenomenal year, but it, it's going to be a great one. Unfortunately for me, my game is at 
one o'clock mountain time. Okay. So I'm going to be missing the game. So I'll have it taped and <laughs> either watch it Saturday night or, or Sunday morning. So uh, I'll, I'll, I will request updates from everyone on Twitter, please, to send me some good stuff and maybe some videos. I'll text you some updates throughout the game. But before we throw it to the David Pollock interview, which is going to come up here in just a few minutes, I want to bring up one more thing. And you talked about it at a little bit a bit earlier. Um, and that's about this game being different. But before I talk about that, you know, everybody says, well, this game is not going to be a blowout. Georgia can't blow them out. It's always a close game. You know, the better team but doesn't always win. And to that, I beg to differ because in 2008 and 2009, we got smoked by Florida when Florida was clearly the better team. And listen in to the David Pollock interview here in a couple minutes because I talk about how I think that might be in play for Georgia. But, Aaron, you said it. This game's different. It's different for Georgia. It's fall break for the students. Everybody heads down to Frat Beach and St. Simons. You know, Georgia leaves early Friday because there's no classes. You usually stay at the Renaissance World Golf Hall of Fame Center, which is fun. You have a lot more time on your hands. It's like a mini bowl game during the middle of the season. It's different. People will say and coach speak and players will tell the media it's not different, it's just another game. No, it is different. It is more important. But Georgia should be confident heading into it because they are better than Florida. You want to talk about that at all, Aaron, because it's a different game. I always said it was like a mini bowl game in the middle of the season. Yeah, it's it's funny. I was talking to one of my buddies actually this past week and and he was kind of describing to me, I was like, listen, I never had the opportunity to go to St. Simon's, the frat beach. Yeah. I never got an opportunity to go to the game as a student. I was always playing. Even my retro year, I had to go and, and I was on the sideline for the game. And I was like, what, what's the actual experience? And my buddy Max, he's like, all right, listen, we wake up early. He said, sometimes I would leave Wednesday. We get, but most of the time get on buses Thursday, we get to the beach, we party all night. We wake Absolutely. up early, <laughs> we wake up early Friday morning and he said there's like 20, 30,000 people on the beach. DJ's playing. It's like a mini spring break for these kids. They're getting after it. Wake up Saturday, roll up to the stadium, and just keep it going. They said it's, it's as a fan, as a student, it's, it's one of the best experiences that these, these kids will ever have their entire college career. They Absolutely. said that, that Georgia-Florida weekend is the best time of the year for everyone, from for, for Florida kids, for Georgia kids. It's a special game. It's a special week. That's why the university shut down school on Thursday and Friday, exactly. and everyone jumps on board, man. It is a good time. Maybe one year we'll be calling the game, or maybe, maybe one year I'll actually have the weekend off. I can actually go <laughs> enjoy it as a fan, but uh, it's not looking like that anytime soon. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a good weekend, man. I mean, there's a damn Hall of Fame just for this game, the Georgia-Florida Hall of Fame. Congrats to Noshaw Marino. He's going into this weekend among some other Georgia and Florida greats. Really cool. Aaron, I would have to guess your name will be in there one day with three victories. I don't know if any yeah. punters are in there, but once you get in, you can uh, give me a nice little. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give you a little shout out. We'll see if we can get you in a little afterwards. But yeah, I still got to make it. We'll see. Three and one. That was a lot of fun. We were, we were definitely lucky. And I think we've we've had a goose egg since then, man. So hopefully we'll get the ball rolling again this weekend. Get the ball rolling. All right. So without further ado, we are going to throw it to the David Pollock interview and hang on afterwards because we are going to run down a list of games. It's a fun weekend of college football coming up besides this Georgia-Florida game, a lot of top 25 matchups, a lot of matchups that will have implications on the first college football playoff rankings that are coming out next Tuesday. So hang on after this awesome interview. And again, big thanks to David Pollock for joining us. But without further ado, here it is. Let's welcome in David Pollock to the Punt and Pass podcast. All right, we're going to bring our first guest into the podcast this week. Again, it's week nine and a big week here on the Punt and Pass podcast. And Aaron, you brought a whale into the Punt and Pass, Punt and Pass podcast. And it is, of course, three-time All-American from the University of Georgia and now a staple on all across ESPN. David Pollock, thanks for joining us, man. How's everything going? Hey, man, I'm not a whale anymore, cuz. I done lost some weight, man. You need to step off, cuz. <laughs> I, I can that. attest to that. I remember the times we were playing racquetball. You're in there with a, a weighted vest on beating my butt. I'm like, yep. holy smokes, this guy's yep. crazy. Still smoking with a weight vest on. It was, it was only 35 pounds, though. We know we oh, no, it was. It was a 10-pound vest, and... <laughs> I think I was coming off my ACL most likely. That's why we got to get a rematch. That's all I'm saying. 
Don't sing it, bring it, brother. <laughs> well, David, hey, thanks for joining us, man. It's a huge, huge week in Athens for the Georgia program. We obviously wanted to get on a big-time guest. That, of course, is you. We really appreciate you joining us here. So let's talk all things Georgia. Let's talk Georgia-Florida. Let's talk about you. What's been going on at ESPN? I know this is your super busy time of the year. You're at home right now, I think, but uh, travel schedule got to be pretty uh, hectic this time. Yeah, it's 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 the grind time. It's just kind of like when you're in football, and y'all y'all are starting to realize that too. Now that you're getting in the media, it's just part of the job, and you got to watch a ton of tape, and you got to study, and you got to know exactly what you're talking about, what you want to say. And um, game days every weekend, so we usually do the we're doing a Tuesday night show starting this this next week. So we'll start with the the rankings coming out, start talking about all the teams on Tuesdays, college football live on Mondays and Wednesdays, and then you know, on Fridays and then game day. So it's, it's fun, dude. It's, it's only seasonal, so it's not that hard to work, but it's a grind and you, you watch tape and follow a sport that we love. And it's so daggum fun when Georgia is as good as it is now. I mean, this makes my job even more fun to, to follow Georgia and watch Kirby and watch the excitement and the, the players coming in. And just, it's been, uh, it's been really cool to see the transformation in UTA. There's no doubt. We'll certainly get to the Georgia stuff here in a bit because I know a lot of people want to hear what you think of the dogs through seven games. Now, do you have a studio set up in your house? Because often I see you on College Football Live. You got the backdrop. Uh, you're always looking pretty dapper. Is that set up in your house, or do you have to travel to a local station to get all that stuff done? That's actually the butts mirror. I actually drive up there. It's it's 15 minutes from the Sweet. house. So they got the uh, SEC studio thing already set up in there. So I just walk in there and put the mic on, put the earpiece in, and Act like I know what I'm talking about. Listen, that doesn't compare to. I don't think that compares to my living room that Joe, that Drew and I host our <laughs> podcast in. We it gotta find matter. a studio hey, pretty like, soon. We gotta find school. something soon. Hey, people don't realize y'all got that old school mic too. We do have the old school there. mic, man. We you gotta start somewhere. We gotta earn our earn our stripes. So we're starting in my in my living room with old school mics, <laughs> trying to make it happen, baby. That's a good look, man. That's a good look. <laughs> Aaron's living room and the 17 dogs that live at his house. It's pretty wild over there. All right, so let's do it. Let's talk about Georgia. Often, and I got to bring up one thing first, David. You came to to the defense of Aaron before that Mississippi State game. And Aaron came out with a bold take. He believed that Mississippi State would win. Mississippi State had a big-time convincing victory over LSU just a week prior. He was gushing over Nick Fitzgerald. He liked yeah. what Dan Mullen was doing, and he said it. He goes, I think Mississippi State's going to win. And me, as a former player, I said, okay, you're entitled to your opinion. You obviously know Aaron knows more about football than me. That may be hard for some people to believe. But I said, I don't think so. And I gave my reasons why I thought George would win. Aaron caught a bunch of backlash. The podcast got a bunch of publicity. It was not planned. But it was kind of Aaron's welcome to the big media world moment. I think I <laughs> yep. think you've had one or two of those before. Oh yeah, and, and and here's the thing: I talked to Aaron this summer about his media stuff when he came into it. And the bottom line is, you, you, if you always pick Georgia, here's what happens: you're a homer. So always pick certain teams. It drives me batshiznit crazy. I can't stand it. I don't like it. Um, and then there's people on TV that. Um, and then there's, then there's the kind that if you pick against Georgia, you're a turncoat. I mean, you're just, you're a traitor and all this stuff. And how could you betray the red and black? And listen, I got news for you. I didn't think it was going to, I thought it was going to be a close game too. I thought Mississippi state had a very good chance to win that game. You saw what they did before and they looked great. They won. Georgia hasn't won every game every year. They don't do that. So I have no problem with people picking against the university or their uh, university of Georgia or your teams. That's part of the business. We should look at a game objectively and be able to say who do I think is going to win now listen when the game goes on the fan cap goes on regardless no question I'm going to be cheering we're going to be cheering for Georgia regardless but as an analyst we're supposed to tell you who's going to win what we see what we've been studying on tape and up until that point what did we know about Georgia what did we know about Georgia's offensive line I mean what we knew was they were kind of they were no what we knew was they were terrible the year before absolutely horrific the year before and this year we were questioning them early in the season. Can they make lanes? You saw it against Notre Dame. They struggled. Appalachian State, we couldn't even get a fourth and one to start the season. It was embarrassing. You know, you you had some reasons for concern. Now it's positive. Now it's easy. Now it's good. But you should pick. Aaron did the right thing. You should do the same thing, Drew, is pick pick who you think is going to win. When Alabama plays Georgia, we got to make that decision all over again. Yes, and sir. hopefully it's in the SEC championship game. 
Uh, well, at least we have to, we have a few weeks before that. I think Georgia, at least in my opinion, will be favored the rest of the way. We'll be, make it easier picks and, and we'll see if Drew has the cojones to step up and be honest with himself and, you know, see if he's willing to kind of get some backlash too on the little podcast. I don't think he's going to do it. I don't think he's going to do it. I, I, we I sp- was definitely going home. We've spoken about this in the past, uh, on the past couple episodes of the podcast. And I told Aaron, I said, we're extremely lucky because this season, George is really good right now. We can see and be yeah. like, George is going to win this game, right? They're a better team. The offensive line's improved. The defense is awesome. Hey, Drew. Yes. Drew, before you drop your soliloquy right here. Please. Um, okay, who's better, Georgia or Alabama? Right now, Alabama's better. There's no reason to say Georgia's better right now. Now, you could look at the resumes and say Georgia might have the most impressive victory of the season at Notre Dame in Week 2. But until you take down the King, I don't, I don't, I can't sit here and say Georgia could beat Alabama today. Now, the first weekend of December, if we get there – there could be a case made. There honestly could be a case made. But right, right now, Alabama's the better team, and they're number one unanimously for a good reason. Okay, but right. I'm going back to this. Okay, Aaron and I are in a great place because George is very good this year. Two years ago, when Faton Bowdas started in Jacksonville, I'm going to be oh, objective boy. and say George is not going to win the football game. There's no question yeah. about that. But we haven't had to cross that road yet. Um, and, and this week especially, I'm on record saying this is the special the best matchup Georgia's had in Jacksonville in I don't even remember how long. In Vegas, depending on where you shop, has made it a 14-point spread. I think Georgia's going to roll in a big, big way. And, David, you picked, objectively, Florida to win the SEC East in the preseason. Has that changed? Oh, of course, obviously. Um, the evidence has shown you that. But I'll say this. This week, you you can point to this, and, I, and I've been doing this for so many years now, and, and you can point to – Florida, and you can say Georgia's better at every position, and yeah. Georgia's got a better defense, and Georgia's got a better run game, and Georgia's got this. Rivalry games don't care. Rivalry games change things, and Florida kind of has played somewhat with a little bit of heart. They've been okay. They haven't gave, you know, I don't think the best effort they could have. They will bring their A game this week. They will bring everything that they have. This will be a competitive ball game, I think until the second half. I think I think Georgia will ex, will, will exert its will, will show its depth, will show its defense, defensive prowess and and I think they'll win the game going away late. But I think the, I think this will be a very very competitive game for three quarters and then Georgia will put the hammer down. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think Florida's defense is good enough to keep them in games, which they've done in years past, not just versus Georgia but just throughout the season. I think they get tired. They get tired of holding the team. They get tired of going on the field series after series after series. And eventually they lose their willpower. They lose their strength. And then that's when this offensive line, this running game will flourish. So I agree with you. I think second half, it's going to be close. And it's towards you get creeping towards the end of the third quarter and throughout the fourth. I think, like I said, that run game will start to really dominate for Georgia. And I think that's when you see some points on the board, but I don't think it's going to, I don't think they'll cover the spread. I think it's going to be closer to what most people think and what Drew thinks. And I agree with David. It's a rivalry game. You look what that so a better team and, and they ended up being, I think a five point game. You just never know what can happen in that type of atmosphere in that type of game. I, I hear you. Y'all, y'all are talking, y'all are talking point spreads and stuff on this piece. I hear you. No doubt. We got to give the listeners what yeah. they want. Now let me get my last thought in here. Okay. Cause I hear what everybody's saying. It's a rivalry game. It's in Jacksonville. It's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Throw everything else out the window. The two most embarrassing losses of my college career, 2008, 2009, in Jacksonville when we got absolutely ran out of the building. Florida was way better than us. They had way more playmakers than us. Hey, we brought our will. We lined up. We even brought some fake juice and had some black helmets and black pants one year. I think the score was 49-3 to with like two minutes left, and Urban Meyer was calling timeouts. Half the stadium completely empty. The other half completely packed, orange and blue, loud as hell that was demoralizing and i think georgia legitimately has a chance to make that happen this week florida got blown out by michigan not a good football team they should have lost to tennessee complete dumpster fire and they had a hand wrapped and gifted victory to them from kentucky i mean let's be honest guys this is georgia's chance but you both just said it it's jacksonville kirby's got to make a statement this is his statement game rock and roll and let's get going towards atlanta 
Call well, me a fan. Call to, me whatever you want. I think that's a decent argument. No, I, I hear you. And here, but here's the thing I think of too. You know, number 11's good, but he ain't 11 that's on the podcast yet. Okay. He's, we're, hey, he's, we're not he's getting there, though. He's getting there, though. No, you need the running backs. That's all you need. He's getting better. He's improving. Yes. I thought the Missouri game was his best game this season. And I thought that I don't think that was an accident, by the way. I, I think there's a reason they opened the game plan up and they wanted him to throw the football. They wanted him to build confidence. I just don't think we're a deep, we're an offense that is going to consistently make big plays in the passing game. So with Florida's defensive line, with Florida getting a little more healthy now, I think it's interesting to see from in this moment. How does he handle it? Yeah. Does he make a mistake? The good thing I like about him, the thing I love about him is every time he's made one mistake, it hasn't compounded into two. For it sure. hasn't compounded into three. He's done a really good job managing himself as a true freshman, but he's still a true freshman, and he's still going to make true freshman mistakes. You make one mistake, obviously you saw Florida against Michigan, pick six. You know, just like that, you can put yourself. You saw it against Missouri. Makes a pick near the goal line. They run inside the 20. All of a sudden, they score right away, and, and you get seven points just like that. So the offense isn't where it's going to be in the future. It's going to keep building. It's going to get better along the offensive line. The skill is going to continue to to grow and to get better. But you still got a true freshman playing quarterback, and you know Aaron knows it. You'll, you'll take some lumps. Yeah, especially some lumps in that game. And I love – I sent this to Drew earlier. Chauncey Gardner for, for Florida – about Jake Fromm, he's throwing simple passes. I get it. Anyone can throw a slant. <laughs> well, hey, I, you know, I so, like that. And another player came out and said they may be third-ranked team in the nation, but they can't beat Florida. And guess what? That's true. So Georgia's yeah. got to go prove it. I like this. They have talk. to prove it. I like that it's a rivalry game. And if I'm showing Jake Fromm one piece of film, it's Aaron. Aaron, it's you in 2010. You were a redshirt freshman. We got down early. We were down for most of the game, and you rallied the troops, and we took him into overtime. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that he's going to need to see, because it's not going to be roses and sunshine for the first 15 minutes of the game. He's going to have to deal with some adversity, and then I think they impose the will and Georgia rolls. Yeah, I completely agree. I think there's definitely going to be some adversity. I, I, I hope they go back to the Mississippi State game. I hope they start opening things up for him and we've been preaching all year utilize the tight ends man it's a it's a young quarterback's best friend a guy that you can throw a five yard out to a guy you can throw over the middle over the over the center uh and the biggest thing once again it, it's all going to come down to the offensive line if they can run the ball impose their will keep that florida offense on the sideline wear the defense out like david was saying earlier that third and fourth quarter can get pretty ugly for that team and I'm speaking of Florida, if we're able to, to run the ball early and often. So hopefully we don't have to worry about Jake Fromm, but we are going to have to open up at some point because they're going to go one-on-one. That's what Florida's known for. They're known for playing man-to-man coverage because they have the athletes on the outside, and we're going to have to beat it because they're going to stack the box. Hey, another thing, too, is I, I don't know. This this is going to be sacrilegious, and, and, and I've tweeted it out, and so I, I've, I've already said it, but I've been watching a lot of Georgia backs, and I've been watching Michelle, and I've been watching Chubb, and I've been, I watched Gershel, and – I've been around. No, obviously we've seen no Sean Swift boy. Ooh. That boy, that boy. Yes. I mean, to me, to me, he looks like a combination of Michelle and Chubb, and he's got the best attributes of both. I mean, I know it's sacrilegious to say, but that dude is insane. And I like the way they've used him with jet sweeps. I like the way they've getting the ball in his hands because that dude is a playmaker. And I tell you what, next year, Zamir White coming in. Justin Fields coming in. It's reload, baby. It's just, and they got some. They got some young offensive linemen, some big boys that like that Alabama offensive line that are going to be pounding dudes left and right. So you get those offensive linemen that are six six, six seven, three twenty. Now they're in their sophomore year. You got a great back behind them, a sophomore quarterback that's had a full year experience. I mean, this this offense could be dangerous next season. I'll tell you. My one question thing is, about, my yeah, question please, is, who's ahead. the second? Who's the second quarterback next year? Is the question. I think you know my my hot <laughs> take is I think I think Easton I think Easton stays. Yeah, you're crazy about that That's one. My There's hot no take. chance. He's Aaron. going to a Chuco. He's going to play a season. He's going to transfer somewhere out west, play another season, and he's going to the draft. He wanted to go three and out. That's the whole reason he came to Georgia. It was his. He wants to play football. To the he NFL. wants to play football. If I was an he's agent, better. I would call him illegally and I'd say. <laughs> stay on the sidelines, stay healthy, be the best teammate you can be. When those NFL scouts are at practice, throw the ball all over town, and then you'll be a third to a first-round pick, and we'll make all our money. That's a great I, I, Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but Easton's not going to – I don't think Easton's going to make that kind of money regardless. Easton, yeah. has, Easton has a ton of physical tools. And, and listen, 
this is hard to judge because I got news for you. If Eason was the quarterback of this team and Fromm wasn't, there's a good chance this team would still be undefeated. Oh, I mean, the, completely de- agree the, with defense that has been so, the defense has been so great. But Eason, I saw everything I needed to know, and this isn't fair to say, but I saw everything I needed to know to Eason the first play of the season. He slides, he takes a snap, slides a little bit, slides his feet, doesn't set his feet, kind of side arms it, sails a pass 10 yards over the head of the wide receiver. And I'm like, have you honed in on your mechanics at all? Have you worked on your footwork and keeping your base? Have you worked on throwing the ball correct? I mean, I just, I think there's there's a component lacking. I think he has all the physical tool set. He can throw it through a car wash and not get that thing wet. Yeah. He's got a great arm. That's great. But there's something a little bit missing about his game. And so it will be interesting to see if he sticks around, if he transfers. But if he has a heart and he wants to go to the league, he's transferring. Drew. If that guy's going to sit on the bench and just sit behind people, what's that saying about your football character? Hey, but look like, at the guys in these bowl games that are sitting out bowl games now, and they're just saying, I'm looking to go to the NFL. Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, it paid off for those guys. Yeah, that's one That's one game. That's I'm one game. It wasn't a major guys, game. Davey and Clowney thought about it, too. Now, I'm not saying I, – I, it's obviously a scorching hot take for me to say that, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. I, I really do believe that. Drew, I don't think David's heard enough of the podcast to really understand that Drew comes up with some – some crazy conspiracy right, now, I got, theories. I got one more question his, his for Tennessee David. ones are a little wild. On this, on this, in this regard. Now, in lieu of Jacobs' injury, right, going down eighth play of the season, Fromm stepping in. Of course, they're seven and zero, top five in the nation. And this may be unfair to Jacob, but do you think the the rallying of the fan base around this team and around Jake Fromm as a quarterback? is a relatability factor. Easton's from the West Coast. Obviously, he, he one of his idols is Matt Stafford. He wanted to go three and out. He wanted to be the number one pick overall. But now, Fromm steps in. He's from Warner Robins. Hey, I've been a Georgia fan all my life. I bleed red and black. I mean, I think that that's one of the reasons why people are almost Jake Fromm apologists to this point. And yeah. then there's another reason they're saying Easton's got to go. It's time to get him out. Does that make sense? No. I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I one thing I am firmly, firmly in the belief of is if you perform, they don't give a crap where you're Amen. from. Amen. Amen. They don't no give a crap what color you are. Amen. They don't give a crap what position you play. If you're going to ball for their university and you're going to win them games and get them where they want to be, the fans are going to be on your side. So if Jacob Eason was setting the world on fire, was playing great, he'd be he'd be embraced, he'd be loved. Now listen, we all know that changes. You throw a few interceptions. No question. I mean, we know that can flip in a heartbeat the love, but um, I think people understand right now Jake Fromm's a true freshman, and they understand that he's been put in a tough situation. They understand that he's going to make some mistakes, but you know I, the reason this offense is better to me with him is he has the ability to pull the ball in the zone read and run and, and get you eight yards and get you ten yards. Why is that important? Short yardage. Why is that important? Goal line situations. You've seen that. Now you're starting to see jet sweep. Then you'll see zone read off uh, option or offense off of that. I mean, there's just there's more you can do when you don't have a physically dominant offensive line in all the positions. Now, listen, our center's getting better, boy. He's yeah. really getting better. I think he's one of the top mm-hmm. centers in the conference. Uh, both tackles are good. Andrew Thomas is a true freshman at right tackle coming on, playing some daggum football. Um, and they've developed along the line and gotten a little bit better. But it's just like from they got to continue to progress when they play those monsters. Uh, in the SEC championship game, you want to have a chance. And if you want to beat Auburn and if you want to beat Florida. So uh, there's, there's still some work to be done. That's for sure. All right. I got a couple more questions, right? We're going to wrap this thing up. The first question is going to lead into the second question. I need the David Pollock prediction for the Georgia Florida game this year, because we can sound the alarms. If you pick Florida, we might, we might become the number one podcast in the world. If you oh, pick, please Florida. pick Florida and I'll be, I'll be with public, <laughs> I'll be with public enemies. Number one and number two, David Pollock and Aaron Murray. Talk to me, David. What do you think's going uh, down I, this weekend? I will say this. If I thought Florida was going to win, I'd tell you Florida was going to win. And, and I don't I, give a crap what you say. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt my feelings. Um, I just don't think Florida's good enough. And we haven't talked a lot about Florida's offenses. I mean, it's ugly. Yeah. And now listen, I think Tony's going to be back. I think Cleveland's going to be back. That Those are big finds. I think you'll see Tony in the Wildcat this week for Florida because it kind of gives them the best chance to, again, get extra blocker with uh, running the quarterback, get, a, get an elite athlete at quarterback. And so it gives them a chance. But they just – their offense is offensive. And – you know, it's, it's interesting with Jim McElwain and Doug Nussmeyer is 
it's amazing they can't manufacture offense. And in the past, they've also been able to line up and pound Georgia and run the football and run the football and body blow and body blow and wear them out. Bro, that ain't happening this year. Nope. They ain't going to line up and do that. Not with that defensive line. Not with number three, the best linebacker in the country, with Roquan Smith. Not with the amount of discipline and toughness they're playing with up front. So, again, I think it's a pretty close game for two and a half quarters, three quarters. And I think Georgia puts the hammer down, wears Florida out. And I think Georgia ends up scoring close to 40 points and, and giving up 17 or something like that. Yeah, I think a 40-burger is in play for Georgia also. And I think on week one of the podcast, Aaron, we both said that Antonio Callaway would certainly play against Georgia, and that'll probably happen this weekend. Okay, so if Georgia wins this game, David, I'm sure ESPN game day will be at the SEC championship. If Georgia's undefeated in the SEC championship game, and Alabama's presumably undefeated as well, they've both beaten Auburn, who are you picking? Who are you picking in if you the ask SEC me to championship pick- game? If you ask me to pick right now, this would be easy to be Alabama. Yeah. And the difference for me is a four or five quarterback that's been playing. He played in the college football playoffs last year. He played in that dome to start the season. He played in the dome in the SEC championship game at the end of the season. He just brings that element of the zone read that will get you first downs, will extend drives. He can make enough plays with his arms or with his arm, not his arms. Um, he didn't throw it left-handed. I hadn't seen him do that yet. I haven't seen him <laughs> with Lorenzen. But to me right now, that's the biggest difference between Georgia and Alabama is the mobile threat that is Jalen Hurts. So I would say Alabama right now would definitely have the edge. So if there's two undefeated teams, you got Georgia, you got Alabama, both are 12-0. and 0. I know there's been a lot of talk about this. Does the loser of that game, if it's close, first part of the question, if it's a close game, does the loser still make the playoffs, firstly? And second, what is your top four teams you think are going to make the playoffs this year? Man, you asked me two part questions. Remember, I've been two part questions, baby. So I mean, you, you uh, come on, you got this, one. baby. But here's the thing: <laughs> the committee doesn't, despite what anybody thinks. Talking to people in that room in the past, it's been on the committee and the way they run and the way they think. They don't want two teams from a conference. They do not want it. As much as they want to tell you the best teams, the four best teams, they don't want to have to justify themselves by putting two teams in from a conference. Um, I'll say this. And if they do, think about if Ohio State wins the conference with one loss. Think about if Penn State's a one-loss team. Yeah. Already already ahead of Georgia now, um, if their losses this week to Ohio State and they're still able to run the table, that would be very close. And, and they would be – I think they would lean Big Ten putting in two teams over the SEC this season because the SEC is not a great conference. Newsflash. There, there's not a lot of uh, great teams that are out there. So I think the Big Ten would get leeway then. Because look at Wisconsin. They don't play a soul. They play Michigan, what was supposed to be their hardest game. They have them at home. Michigan's not even in the top 25 anymore. They're going to cruise into the Big Ten championship game. Um, The Pac-12, here's Georgia's scenario. Georgia needs the Big 12 and the Pac-12 to not have a team to put in. To beat each other up. To beat each other. Which, by the way, you can go ahead and stick a fork in the Pac-12. Oh, it's awful. They're done. It's awful. The Pac-12 is not going to get a college football playoff. I don't think the Big 12 is going to get one either. The way I mean, well, Oklahoma, Oklahoma should be on upset alert every single week. Their defense, yeah, they, they can't stop. It's awful, awful defense. It's not, it's not fun to watch. So, well, how, well, how about Notre Dame? It's saying a one-loss Notre Dame, and, and I know Notre Dame is supposed to play Miami. They got to play Stanford. They got to play NC State. Oh, do you put a one-loss Notre Dame over a one-loss Georgia if Georgia loses an SEC championship game? Heck no. That 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 to me that that that. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. The fact that, okay, not only did this team go hey. on the road, this team went on the No, no, this is a legit argument. So yeah, I'm, I'm it is. It. It's going to happen. I've heard it too. They're in the top 10 right now. It, and they got to play. If they beat Stanford, they beat Miami, they beat NC State, they have a case to be in the, in the top four. That's awesome. Congratulations. You ran the table in a tough schedule. Georgia still beat you. So go sit on the sidelines and watch the rest of the playoffs. I mean, that's just. You, you can't tell me that a team traveled to your – the hardest thing to do in college football is win on the road. The hardest thing to do to me is go on the road and shut everybody up. Georgia went up to Notre Dame, to South Bend, and beat them with a true freshman quarterback making one of the first a couple starts of his career. With a, a team that hadn't built a ton of confidence yet in themselves and have only gotten better since that point, so is Notre Dame. But you can't tell me that head-to-head doesn't mean anything. I, I don't buy that for a second. 
I love the fire. I love the passion. One day when, you, when you're on the selection committee, you're going to have to go into that boardroom with your helmet on just to bang it up against the wall and let some anger out. Dude, we did we did a mock we did a mock selection a couple of years ago, and I was in the room, and we took a season, and we did the same thing. We bid all of us did just the process that they do, and I was about to lose my ever loving mind. I mean, I was I was yelling and screaming, and we were talking back and forth, and we were revoting. I'm like, let's revote. Let's think about this. Let's revote again. And there's a lot to go into it. And I, and I respect those people that have to do make those decisions. But I mean, that's to me if. A team has the same record, and you got beat by that team. I mean, bye, Felicia. You gone. Yeah, I I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. Well, David, man, uh, we really really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming on to the podcast, and uh, maybe we'll have you on for a little SEC championship preview. We're not going to count the chickens before they hatch, but it's looking like there's a collision course set up for Atlanta. So. Thanks for hopping on to our podcast. I know you got a super busy week and you're heading out to Columbus this weekend for game day. But, man, really appreciate you. All-time Georgia legend and now a good dude on ESPN. And Aaron, anything else to say to your boy David? No. Hey, bet I'm coming for you, man. Get the racquetballs ready for the offseason. We're going to see if you still got it, old man. We're going to see if you still got it, old man. I know, you don't, I know you don't know how to use what Skype. About basketball? But- you hoop? I hoop a little bit. You're getting out of your league now, David. You're getting out of your league yeah, now. I'm, 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 a, I'm a six foot white boy. Basketball is not my thing, but I'll okay. go play some golf. Well, maybe. I How about that? Can't believe that? I can't believe that I came on this podcast and Aaron Murray picked Florida to beat Georgia. That hey. is the most <laughs> I know. It's heard. crazy. You should tweet I that out. Unbelievable. Tweet that out right now. Traitor. Yes. Just send it out there. Yes. We'll see what Benedict Arnold. Yes, just absolutely. Tag the podcast. All right, David. Appreciate you, man. Tell the family we said hello. Thanks again. All right. Y'all have a good one. Aaron, that was awesome. Uh, David Pollock likes to talk, but talks well. He is a good ambassador for the University of Georgia. He does a fantastic job on ESP, and really cool to have him jump on the podcast, help us out a little bit. We'll see if he'll throw us out a retweet. Maybe not, though. You know, ESPN guy's a little little funky with that. Yeah. Okay. One thing you can't do with ESPN right now is uh, be a social media bandit because they will suspend your ass in a hurry, but maybe yeah. David will help us out a little bit. How cool is that, though, to have David on? Oh, it's awesome. I remember, I think we talked about on the podcast, when I did make my my horrific pick <laughs> in the Mississippi State game, he texted me, and uh, yeah, we did talk about it. He texted me during the game saying, hey, don't worry, I got your back. I'm slapping these dudes around on Twitter for you right now. Don't worry about it. Keep being you. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, the guy, he honestly just talked to, he does not care. You yeah. know, he's going to pick whoever he wants to pick. And if you don't like it, he, it, and for him, he lives in Athens for goodness sake, I, I believe. Know, so crazy is that? He, he doesn't care, man. He's just like, I'm going to live my life. I feel good. I'm happy. And uh, yeah, he's doing a heck of a job. I love tuning in watching him. I was giving him some grief the other day. He was, he was out there dancing uh, during the, during Saturday countdown. So he, he does a good job. All those guys do. And then, like you said, he's a great ambassador for the dogs. I think the matter of fact is that sometimes you're just going to be wrong. I mean, we we brought it up in the interview. David picked Florida to win the SEC East and said Florida would be Georgia and was going to be better than Georgia. I mean, that obvi- the credit card nine hurt his chances right off the bat. But, um, I mean, sometimes you're wrong. And, and my advice Listen. to you, Aaron, would be be wrong in, in Georgia's favor because then you'll always be welcome back with open <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of wrong, I picked Florida State to make the playoffs. Yeah. So, and I mean, you woo! know, obviously, Francois Listen, the goes quarterback down. Gets hurt. Yeah. yeah. All right. But still so, pretty bad. Yeah. Big thanks to David for jumping on with us. I want to hear what everybody thought about that interview. Get at us on social media at Punt and Pass at Aaron Murray eleven at Drew Butler thirteen. But it's time for our Week Nine breakdown. We're gonna. I think, Aaron, we got a lot of games to talk about. We don't have to pick the point spread on every single one of them. I want you to tell me which ones we'll pick the spread on. I think we should do five games, okay? Because you are 20 and 12 against the spread. I am 18 and 14 right on your heels, but both at a pretty good clip. I think we just mentioned it in the interview, but let's start off with our first game. Just give me the pick. We have to pick it. We've done enough to analyze it. Georgia, number three, Georgia Bulldogs playing Florida in Jacksonville. Georgia's a 14-point favorite. I have a shocking pick for you coming from my mouth. Georgia will cover. Georgia will not cover. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a seven to ten point game. Obviously, I, I firm believer Georgia's going to win, but 
Uh, I think Florida's defense still has a talent and they're going to kind of uh, keep it close early. Georgia will pull away late, but it's going to be under that 14 points. All right. So Murray picks Florida to cover dogs win just to make sure everybody just to make sure when the dogs are going to win a win by 13 points, not 14 or 14 and a half. All right. Next game. There's been some breaking news just today about it. The dumpster fire that is Tennessee is heading east to Lexington. Is that north or east? I'm not a. I think it's. I no, I don't ask sorry me. To I, ask I, I felt question. they're going to Lexington, Kentucky. Kentucky's coming off a horrible loss last week to Mississippi State. Kentucky is a five-point favorite right now, but Tennessee's best offensive player, John Kelly, just got suspended for marijuana use. I think he was caught, got some misdemeanor charges as well in a car. Dude, this Tennessee team, I mean, I cannot believe they have not fired Butch Jones yet. He he is screaming to be fired. The players are openly revolting against him. I mean, I almost want to pick Tennessee here. What? I almost want to pick Tennessee here. And you know what? That's what I'm going to do. They have to win at some point. And I think Kentucky, this is the time of year Kentucky always squanders you know why because it's basketball season Kentucky's not a football school it's basketball season everybody's on big blue side for Rupp Arena not Kroger Field I'm taking Tennessee give me the points I don't know if they'll win but I like five points in Tennessee's favor call me crazy Tennessee covers give me the five points I think you're crazy on this one obviously like you said, their best offensive player going to be suspended for the game. They already can't move the ball offensively. They obviously they already can't score the ball inside the red zone. Now you're going to take away their only weapon. You're going back to the Florida Tennessee game, the game I was at. The guy pretty much put the team on the back and gave them an opportunity to win the game, and now he's out. And at quarterback, once again, Garantano at quarterback hasn't done anything to impress me so far this season. One touchdown, one pick. He's completing 55% of his passes. And Dormany is not doing too much better. He has six touchdowns and six pick and completing 55% of his passes. So you don't have a quarterback. Now you don't have a running back. It's just, there's nothing you do. And for Kentucky, they're still five and two. There's still a lot to fight for these guys. They still have an opportunity to make a really, really good bowl game. I mean, yeah, they win this game. I think they're going to, I think they're going to lose to Georgia or I'm positive. They're going to lose to Georgia, but these guys are still fine to get to a great bowl game. I think they're well coached. I think they're talented. I still really like their quarterback, Johnson, uh, Stefan Johnson back there. He still had a really good year, nine touchdowns, four picks. Like I said, I just don't think Tennessee is the firepower on offense. They did the one guy and now he's gone. So you taking Kentucky to cover the five. I take it. I am taking Kentucky to cover the five. I just, unless Tennessee gets some turnovers, a pick yeah. six, get some, some great magic. field position. They're going to need magic. They, their offense is so basic. It's screens, it's, it's quick hitches. It's so, bad. um, it's a really, really bad offense to watch. So that's why. That's why. Te- that's why Kentucky will win. Yep. Quick question: If John Gruden, I mean, hypothetically speaking, because it's not. Oh, here happen, we go. If John Gruden does become the coach at Tennessee, like, is it guaranteed that he'd be successful? He's never coached in college. He openly is not going to recruit. I mean, I just don't see that as him being the next Nick Saban. Just give me a quick answer on that. I don't think it's going to happen, but I don't understand why it's a shoe in for him to be automatically successful in college. I, I think if you want to look at his offense, he is one of the most complex offenses in all of football, of all of NFL football. He's known for wordy plays, long plays, lots of checks. So he'd have to really change his entire game plan yeah, up. He'd have yeah. to change his playbook. He'd have to toss it out the window and really simplify it. And I don't know if he wants to do that for a bunch of college yeah. kids who can pick up maybe a fifth of what he wants to be able to put on there at game day. So his biggest thing, and that's why he was so successful in the NFL, his game planning. He was smarter. He'd outsmart you, and he had the ability to go out there and out-game plan you. And if in, in, in college football, you just don't have the time to put in the plays week in and week out for those players. That's a very, very good perspective coming from a former college quarterback, and that's why you are here on the Punt and Pass podcast. But honestly, as I just asked you that question, a commercial came up on NFL Network on my TV right now of him pushing Corona light. I mean, they must pay him a ton of money for those commercials. The guy, ain't dude, he's, he's a spokesman for Hooters too. So he's, <laughs> he ain't coming crushing it right now. So no, he's living a good life. Tennessee fans. Okay. Next game, Aaron, do we want to pick this one? Number 14 NC state travels to number nine, Notre Dame in South Bend. Before I give you the point spread, do you want to pick it or just talk about it real quick? Let's just talk about it real quick. Okay. We'll go, uh, we'll flip it, flip 
not one, then we'll talk about one. Okay, cool. So, yes, NC State, number 14 in the nation now after an early season loss, travels to South Bend. Notre Dame's ranked number nine. Notre Dame is a seven-point favorite, but Georgia fans are watching the Fighting Irish with keen interest because they play number 14 NC State. In a few weeks, they play probably a top 10 ranked Miami team. If Notre Dame finishes the season 11 and 1, I don't, it doesn't matter. And you just heard it in the David Pollock interview. It doesn't matter that Georgia beat them in South Bend. Some people will put Notre Dame in front of Georgia based on the schedule and the teams that they played. I think, I don't know. I don't know where to go on this game, Aaron. I think it's going to be a very, very close game. But I bet you Notre Dame ekes it out at home after a huge victory last week. They could be ripe for an upset, though. I'm all over the place on this game, so I'm of no help. Yeah, you really are of no help on this <laughs> I one. Just, I literally just said I, nothing. I, I love what, what David was, was saying earlier. Home field advantage is so critical in these big-time games. You get the fans going. Uh, that that plays a huge, 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 huge advantage for these teams. And the way Wim Bush is playing right now at quarterback for Notre Dame, his ability to run the ball, his ability to pass the ball – uh, but I like this NC State team. They got a great defense. They have a great uh, offensive line. They're playing well. I mean, their first, lo- their only loss of the season was an early loss to South Carolina, a South Carolina team that had Debo Samuel, yep. who was playing lights out at the time. So South Carolina was looking good early on until they lost him. Uh, so they lost to them, and they've been rolling. I mean, they beat Louisville 39-25. They beat a Syracuse team that beat Clemson. 33-25, and they beat FSU 27-21. And in FSU, yeah, they're hurting, they're, they're, but they're still FSU. They still have talent on both sides of the football. They just don't have a great quarterback right now. So this NC State team is very good. Um, really liking what their quarterback Finley is doing this year, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. And if they're not going to turn the yeah. ball over, that's a huge, huge plus. Uh, but like I said, I just really like the way Notre Dame is playing right now. They're playing confident. It's at Notre Dame. Uh, and you can't it's hard to beat a quarterback that's that's in the zone like Wimbush is right now, the way he's passing and running the football. I would agree with that type of quarterback play. I don't think they're ripe for an upset coming off that huge victory over Southern Cal a week ago. So we both say Notre Dame wins at home. The next game, let's pick this one. Number four TCU travels to Ames, Iowa. Iowa State is ranked number twenty-five. TCU is a six and a half point favorite. They're probably going to be in the college football playoff discussion next Tuesday. I think they cover solely because of their defense. Their defense is playing extremely well. That's what head coach Gary Patterson is known for. Kenny Hill, their quarterback, can make plays with his feet. He throws the ball accurately. You just said it. Look, when you're on the road, if you can control the football and your team is statistically better matchup-wise against the other team on paper. Take care of the football. You should be good to go for a victory. I like TCU's defense, and I like how Kenny Hill has been playing. I'll lay the six and a half. I'll pick TCU to beat Iowa State. Yeah, I remember. I was watching a special the, what, beginning of the season, maybe three games in, when TCU's 3-0, and maybe 4-0, and and all of a sudden it starts clicking my mind, the, the Kenny Hill, and it was, what was it, Kenny trill or thrill or whatever it was dude it was like yeah next one after johnny Manziel. next johnny Manziel, man and he's playing well right now 15 touchdowns three interceptions uh they got a lot of talent at the running back darius anderson with over 500 yards this year they got some weapons on the outside too so like you said they're playing well on defense they're playing well on offense i think they're feeling the juice they're feeling the excitement the chance to in the first week really be in that top four for the playoffs to be in that discussion uh, because the Big 12 right now, they're kind of hurting a little bit. Yeah. There's a lot of uncertainty. If they even lose one game, do you put a Big 12 team in the championship? They have to be undefeated in order to get into the playoffs. So I think this team realizes it with their conference down this year. They realize they need to go undefeated. Uh, and this is a big game. It's a road game. It's a road test uh, versus a ranked opponent. But like you said, they're playing well on defense. And Kenny Thrill offensively is doing a heck of a job. Like I said, with his sets, 15 touchdowns, he's looking good. So you take TCU given the six and a half. I am taking you TCU say, with the six and a half. You say Kenny Thrill. We also know another Thrill. Shout out Thrill Matthews. Just wanted to plug that. Thrill in. Matthews, baby. <laughs> Got to throw him out there. Next game, Mississippi State going to College Station, taking on Texas A&M. This is a SEC West showdown. I believe it's a very evenly matched showdown. I like Nick Fitzgerald's matchup against Kellen Mund. You like Nick Fitzgerald also. That's been noted. Mississippi State a one-point favorite. This game could close as a pick 'em. 
Does Mississippi State follow up a big win last week with another road victory over Texas A&M? I like Texas A&M here. The SEC West is probably just going to continue to beat up all over each other as the second half of the season progresses. I'll take Texas A&M with one point. I am going to take Mississippi State. I think it's a huge win last week versus Kentucky. I think they're playing good. The one negative uh, for Mississippi State, obviously, playing on the road, Texas A&M, I think they hold over, what, 100,000 people there. So it's, yeah, it's, it gets, I've heard it gets really crazy. It gets rowdy there. That's going to be tough. And obviously, they did not play too well on the road against Georgia in that hostile environment. So that's the one thing uh, that's going against them a little bit. But I just I like the way they played uh, last week. I think they got the ball rolling again. And like you said, I'm a big fan of Nick, Nick Fitzgerald. I still think he's a really talented kid. I think he's tough to stop in the run game, in the pass game. And uh, I think Kellen Mond, the freshman quarterback, is going to make a couple mistakes this game that's really going to cost them. All right. We have one big game left to cover. Um, let's just each give who's going to win this last game before we get to the big one. Number 11, Oklahoma State traveling north. I think that's how geography works, traveling north to number 22, West Virginia. I'm pretty positive on that one. Oklahoma State's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Give me a quick 15-second breakdown. Can Oklahoma State's offense put up enough points to outlast West Virginia? Well, Oklahoma State's offense last week was pretty bad versus Texas. I know Texas is getting better, but still, they weren't. They only put, what, 13 points up. They had to win in overtime. And Will Greer, the old Florida quarterback, oh, yeah. I, I, I bet they wish they had him, has just had a dominant season right now. Just absolutely dominant. 26 touchdowns to five interceptions. 26 touchdowns. Wow. I mean, I remember I turn on I turn on the film and I watch him and he's throwing four or five touchdowns a game. So I'm taking West Virginia, man. I'm taking okay. the upset. Sweet. I'm really I'm a big fan of Will, Will Greer. I think he's a fun quarterback. He has the flow, a lot of great flow. <laughs> and the dude is just they have no defense, though. West Virginia has yeah. no defense. So it's going to be I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I'd love to know what the over under for the points would be because I would definitely take the over okay let me pull that up real quick before we go to our last game and if you're wondering of course the last game we're going to cover is number two Penn State at number six Ohio State a huge huge game in the horseshoe to cap off what is sure to be an awesome week nine of college football but the over under for the Oklahoma State West Virginia game is 73 and a half points that's a lot I'm taking I am taking the over on that both teams are averaging both teams are averaging 43 points a game. So, and like I said, I don't think Hashtag both defenses. The over in yeah. the Oklahoma State West Virginia game. Yeah, take the over, baby. Awesome. All right. So, our last game we're going to cover before we let everybody get on with the partying that ensues on Georgia Florida weekend. Penn State heading to Columbus to take on Ohio State. Ohio State, ranked number six. Penn State, ranked number two, but Ohio State, a six and a half point favorite that that is shocking to me I I after Penn State's dominance just a week ago I thought Ohio State would just be your stock three-point home favorite six and a half points what do the Sharps in Vegas know Aaron because this game is going to be a four-quarter game not like what Penn State did to Michigan a week ago yeah it's gonna be a four four-quarter game and it's gonna be a tough game I think I think Ohio State after their loss to Oklahoma earlier in the season has definitely turned things around. JT Barrett, uh, quarterback for Ohio State, 21 touchdowns, one interception. So he's doing a great job protecting the football. He's doing a great job throwing touchdowns. They really haven't played anyone, though. You want to look at Ohio State's schedule. Uh, it's been pretty cupcake so far. Uh, their last five games, Nebraska, Maryland, Rutgers, UNLV, Army. Uh, so no one's really going to just jump out at you. And, then, and I guess you would say the same for Penn State. Their only really big game they've played uh, has been Michigan and a Michigan team that's been pretty down so far this season. So both teams are still very unproven. Um, the one thing is I think I think why why Ohio State is favored is, once again, home field advantage. You're yeah. playing in front of a big crowd. Ohio State is playing better, like I said, since that loss to Oklahoma. But that what that loss was at home. So if I'm, I'm Penn State, I'm saying, hey, listen, yeah. they've lost at home already this season. They lost pretty bad at yeah, home. They got smoked by Oklahoma. Versus an Oklahoma team that – one is giving up a lot of points, giving up a lot of points. Um, they're, they're, they're pretty good on offense with it, with a great quarterback back there, but I like Penn state. I really like yeah. Tracy McSorley. I know you don't like him for some odd reason. You don't like <laughs> just, him just cause I don't you like just either random. of these teams. It's just, you know, it's just personal I don't, preference. I respect yeah, them. I just don't like them. Yeah, but we can both agree that, 
uh, Saquon Barkley yeah, is an absolute a stud. A freak. And, and I was reading today these possible first pick in the draft type of kid right now because, honestly, I don't see any quarterbacks heading into the draft this year are going to be that number one pick. Yeah. So he's going to be a top five pick to take a running back number one. It's kind of crazy, but he definitely has a talent, and I think that's what's going to propel this team come Saturday is the fact that they're going to be able to run the ball run it hard. And as long as Tracy McSorley takes care of it, I think Penn state sneaks out the win against the Ohio state Buckeyes. All right. So you take Penn state and getting six and a half points. I mean, obviously you're in pretty good shape there. I'm looking back at our picks this week and we only have one that is the same so far. So guess what I'm going to do naturally. I'm taking Ohio state and I'm going to call them to cover Six and a half points to win by a touchdown. This line just jumps out to me. There is something that the suits in Vegas know that the general public does not. Is Trace McSorley going to have his first really bad game of the season? Is Ohio State going to figure out how to bottle up Saquon Barkley? Will JT Barrett and the Ohio State offense have some consistency? These are the questions that I ask. This is what I don't know, but for some reason, this line jumps out to me, and I will pick Ohio State to win by a touchdown to cover the six and a half points. You're shaking your head, Aaron. Why nope. do you think Penn State's defense is just going to shut down Ohio State's offense? I just you you look at Ohio State when they play in these big time games lately. I mean, they got shut out last year in the in the college football. What was yeah. it thirty one nothing to Clemson? Uh, they got crushed versus Oklahoma at home. I just don't think. JT Barrett is a big time quarterback that's ready to play in big time games. He's proven that he's just not up to it. He kind of shrinks. He shrinks. He shrinks in the big moment. So there's a big moment. We'll see if he proves me wrong, but you just look at his track record. When these guys play the big games, the past couple, he has not shown up. So I know he's been playing better since Oklahoma game, but like I said earlier, they haven't played anyone since then. So this is their first really big test. Again, you make a great point, but remember, just a year ago, Ohio State lost this game in Happy Valley, 24-21. to 21. They had a blocked kick late that was returned for a touchdown, so maybe Ohio State looking for some revenge. Vegas just, I don't know, it worries me, but I'm taking Ohio State, and that's a wrap on week nine. What a huge week for punt and pass. We get better every single week Aaron that was a lot of fun what say you my man yeah it was awesome and David and having David on I mean what a the dude's a stud I mean he's obviously one of the all-time best at, at the University of Georgia uh, and right now just absolutely crushing it on the TV for ESPN so really really thankful to him once again for joining us and like Drew said I just feel like we're getting better and better every week but once again fans give us your feedback let us know what you like what you don't like and I hope you all you'll have a great time down in Jacksonville getting rowdy I'm freezing my butt off in Fort Collins, Colorado, baby. Yeah, pretty cool to have two All-Americans and Aaron Murray on the same podcast. What, 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 what do you think about that, Aaron? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty <laughs> sweet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> academic, hey, you're an academic All-American, though. And the leading passer. Academic, baby. Yards and touchdowns in the history of the SEC. So eat Listen. that. Take that, baby. Yeah. Boom. There we go. You're the man. I appreciate you, Aaron. Everybody check back in Sunday night, Monday morning for our week nine recap. Again, a huge thanks to David Pollock. You've been listening to the Punt and Pass podcast at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron's at Aaron Murray 11. I'm at Drew Butler 13. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. See you.